Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Be seated. Everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Who ate a lot of turkey? A little bit of turkey? Who's the most powerful person you've ever met? A president, a governor, preacher. Who's the most powerful person you've ever met? I want to see your hands. Anyone ever met a president? For real? Which one? Bush? Which one? The one that's alive? That's a good word. The, one, the little boy, the son? W? Good deal. Who else? Any more president people? Barry? Oh, the other Bush, the other Bush, the dead one, the dead one. All right, any more presidents? Who met Reagan? You met Reagan? When? You don't remember? Did you really meet Reagan? Did, or did you mean Abe Lincoln? Is that what you meant? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Ms. Cheney. I'm sorry, Ms. Cheney. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm on the hit list for the Davises now. What about governors? Anyone met a governor before? Who? Kemp, Kemp, just Kemp, no big deal. Blake worked for him, yeah? Deal? Deal? Deal, who, who? Purdue and Kemp. Does anyone meet Roy Barnes? Anyone meet him? Listen, I grew up, I grew up, uh, it used to be called Rico, and now it's called Chattahoochee Hills, right? There's a bunch of rednecks out there, and I can say that because I was born and raised out there. And I remember... I remember seeing signs as a little boy all over the place that said Boot Barnes. Is anyone ever seeing those signs? It's crazy. All right. So, uh, powerful people. It kind of feels weird to be in the presence of a powerful person. I met, I ate at a, uh, it was like a, I got invited to some kind of dinner with Nathan Deal one time. I never got to really formally introduce him, but it was kind of cool to be with the governor in the same room and, and uh, just be in, in that kind of environment. But it's always kind of cool to be around powerful people, isn't it? Yeah. In a sense, yeah, no one cares? Okay, yeah, yeah. It is. It's, it's a very cool thing. 2,000 years ago, the most powerful person ever born to the earth was born on planet earth, Jesus Christ, right? Right? We're going to start celebrating that. We're hopefully in your heart, you're kind of getting something started there. Uh, but next Sunday, we're going to start Advent. Next Sunday starts Advent. And so the next four Sundays are going to be sermons regarding the four themes with Advent. All right. So Barry and I are going to kind of tag team those. Um, but Jesus Christ obviously is the most powerful person who's ever walked the face of the earth. He was born. He was 100 percent God and he was 100 percent man. So this morning uh, I feel led to preach about God's power. The most powerful person, God's power. Uh, and I'm going to be reading from the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3. And uh, before I get started on that, we're going to read the entire chapter. Uh, but before I get started on that, I just want to share with you that Habakkuk is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, simply put, because he asked questions. He asked God questions. He asked God questions. So sometimes in our life, we get faced with things that we don't really understand. And so sometimes maybe you grew up thinking or maybe that you were told that like it's not okay to ask God questions, right? 
And so sometimes people would ask me, sometimes, sometimes people would tell me that or maybe they would insinuate it with something they said. And I'm like, well, I don't really feel comfortable asking God Almighty, the, you know, the King of the universe, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who made everything from beginning to I really don't. I really don't like asking him questions, right? And so Habakkuk, what he does, what you see the whole book of Habakkuk, there's only three chapters in Habakkuk in the Old Testament, there's only three chapters, but what you see is you see dialogue. You see him asking questions, and then you see God answering questions. You see, God, you see him asking questions and God answering them. And what the whole book is is a dialogue uh, between God and Habakkuk about questions, about life, about things that are going on in his life. And so what, what, I, what I appreciate is the transparency there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read Habakkuk 3. And uh, there's one verse in, Hab- in Habakkuk 3 that really speaks to, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. Uh, but it obviously is God's power. So listen up. Uh, the words will be up there on the screen behind me. Here it is. Habakkuk 3. A prayer of the prophet Habakkuk according to Shinagoth. Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in all of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of his praise. His brilliance is like light, uh, is like light. rays are flashing from his hand. This is where power is hidden. Plague goes before him and pestilence follows in his steps. He stands and shakes the earth. He looks and startles the nations. The age-old mountains break apart. The ancient hills sink down. His pathways are ancient. I see the tents of Cushion in distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian tremble. Are you angry at the rivers, Lord? Is your wrath against the rivers? Or is your fury against the sea when you ride on your horses, your victory, victorious chariot? You took the sheath from your, bow, from your bow, and the arrows are ready to be used with an oath. You split the, the earth with rivers. The mountains you see, uh, see you and shudder, a downpour of water sweeps by. The deep roars with its voice and lifts its waves high. Sun and moon stand still in their, fo- in their lofty uh, residence. At the flash of your flying arrows, at the brightness of your shining spear. You march across the earth with indignation. You trample down the nations in wrath. You come out to save your people, to save your anointed. You crush the leader, you crush the leader of the house of the wicked, and you strip him from foot to neck. You pierce his head with his own, with his own spears. His uh, warriors storm out to scatter us, gloating as if ready to secretly devour the weak. You tread the sea with your horses, stirring up the vast water. Verse 16. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, Though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord my God is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me uh, to walk on mountain heights. Let's pray together, okay? Father, we thank you for your word. 
we thank you for Habakkuk 3. And Lord, what we see is we see Habakkuk really reflecting on your goodness and talking about specific things about your power that we need to know today. Lord, we believe that your word is timely and it's timeless. It's timely and that when we read it and we hear it and we accept it, it's exactly the time that we need to hear it and see it and apply it to our lives. And it's timeless in that we're reading something that was written uh, thousands of years ago. But yet, the truth, the application, the power, the movement, the energy that we see in this text still applies to us today. And so, Lord, we're entering a time where it's Christmas. Decorations are up. Thanksgiving's over. Christmas music's blaring. We're singing about a Messiah, the coming Christ. We're going to celebrate Advent. We'll have Christmas Eve service. We'll have all that stuff. But Lord, if I'm being transparent with you and everyone else, Lord, sometimes I forget the essence and the reality, the presence of your power during times like this. And so, Lord, this is more of a reminder for me than anybody else, I guess, in preparing this message. But Lord, I pray that this message would be an encouragement to everyone and that your word, your name would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, listen. There's five things that I want to share with you about God's power. That's the theme. If you heard it, uh, hopefully you heard it, at the end of verse 4, it said, His brilliance is like light, rays are flashing from His hand. This is where His power is hidden. What I think the writer is trying to do is he's trying to tell us, uh, I'm trying to express to you the best way that I possibly can uh, that, that God is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing, and that, that he has the power to do many, many things. And uh, there's some realities that I, think, that, that I think we can pull away from it, and there's five of them. Let me share the first one with you, okay? Uh, and it's, it's in the guide uh, on your, on your uh, I guess that can be your listening sheet for this morning, okay? God's power is worthy of repeating. If you look down in verse 2, it says, Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. In other words, he's saying, God, you have been powerful before, and I know that you can be powerful again, and I know that you're going to be powerful tomorrow. That's what he's saying. He's speaking to a sense of eternity when it comes to God's power. God's power is so impactful that it's worth repeating. And God's power is one of those things where you, you, you look at your life around you, you look, at, you look at your circumstances, and you ask yourself, how in the world is this even possible? To ha- like, How in the world can this get better? How in the world can this go away? How in the world am I going to be able to recover from this? And on and on it goes. It's a sense of, it's a sense of hopelessness, right, sometimes that we have. Uh, but God's power is worthy of repeating. There's examples of God's proven power uh, uh, repeating, uh, and I believe that's in the church. There have been many, many churches, thousands and thousands of churches all throughout creation ever since Christ ascended up and he made Peter the Farrakh the foundation of the church. Uh, there have been churches uh, that, that have had many ups and downs, right? Real church is about seven, seven and a half years old. We've already had a lot of ups and downs. And, and I tell you, I think we've had more blessings than anything else. Is that right? I've only been here like seven or eight months. The church has been in existence for seven years. And we are not meeting where the church originally started meeting, right? Not only that, but we own it, which is only something I believe that God, that God could have done. Um, I know my life. Uh, in my life, there have been, uh, you know, personal breakthroughs that I've had where I didn't see a way out 
and I know that God's power is the only thing that got me through. Uh, there have been marriages that I've seen healed and uh, that have recovered simply through God's power. Maybe yours is one of those, I don't know. Relationships. You have people, and we have people in our lives where you kind of think, you know what, I don't see how in the world I can ever look that person in the eye again and say good morning because of what he or she did to me. You ever had something like that happen to you before? And you think to yourself, how in the world can I bring myself to even look at that person in the face? I had a pastor one time. He really ticked me off. It's not Barry. It was at a previous church. He really, he really ticked me off. And, and, and I, we, we were at a meeting. And I was with Barry that day, by the way, uh, that morning. But uh, I, I sat down. We had a meeting. It was, a, it was about a relocation meeting for the church. And I remember sitting down. And I couldn't even sit across from the guy and look him in the face. I got up and I moved and I sat somewhere else. And one of the deacons looked at me like, what are you doing? And I just said, I can't sit here. That's all I said. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, I just can't see how I can even look that person in the face anymore. I don't even want to be around them. I can't see how I can go to work anymore knowing what's happened, right? Sometimes it's people that we love, sometimes it's not. the continual movement of the Spirit, His power moving. Some, one thing that I think about that I, that I was reminded of in verse 2 when it said, revive your work in these years and make it known in these years. One thing that's really cool about being a believer and a Christian is the fact that not only does God work now in our lives, but like what He does now affects what happens in the lives of our children, right? And in our grandchildren, and, and on and on it goes. It's a, it's a generational power, but his, worthy, his, his power is worthy of repeating. Let's look at the second one. God's power dominates all functions of the earth. Look at verses 9 and 10. You split the earth in, with rivers. The mountains see you and they shudder. A downpour of water sweeps by the deep. Uh, the deep roars with its voice and lifts its waves high. Tiffany and I celebrated 10 years uh, this month of being married. We were married 10 years on November 2nd. And so we had always said that we wanted to go on a trip. And so we went to Jamaica for a week, a sandals resort, and it was a lot of fun. It was really good. Uh, But I tell you, I get seasick very easily. I get car sick very easily. I can't ride in smaller cars, even in the front seat sometimes. Because I get car sick. If I ride in the back seat, it's definitely over. Uh, when I'm on an airplane, I pop a Zofran, two leave, Sudafed, and everything else I can figure out to try to st- and chew gum to just try to stay uh, sane and try to keep my cool. Right? I just don't. I just don't do well with motion sickness. Well, Tiffany and I, we got out on a boat, and we got out on a glass bottom boat, and we wanted to go see the coral reefs. If, if you've been out to the Caribbean, the waters are crystal clear. You can look straight down, and you can see whatever you want to see. All right, unless somebody walks by and messes up the sand and then it's cloudy for a few minutes, that settles down and then you can see straight down, right? So that's, that, that's on the shore, but then when you go out, you look and the water looks like blue Gatorade. I mean, it's just beautiful and you look straight down and if the waves aren't too choppy, you can see the coral reefs and you can see fish, exotic looking fish and all kinds of crazy stuff that you've never seen before. And so what we did is we got on the glass bottom boat and we went floating out and, and it was a very, very choppy day. 
the waves are very choppy. The wind was blowing. Yeah, the, the day before, there was a front that came in, and so that was still kind of, you know, the, the, the weather was kind of uneasy. So we get out on the boat, and we're flopping around, and we're just hitting waves, and they're trying to get us in positions to see, like, a sunken ship from a hurricane a few years ago, to see certain coral reefs, to look at this kind of coral reef and this and that and whatever. And you, there's a glass part on the bottom of the boat, and then I look out, and you can kind of see straight down where you are, and I'm just like, I can't, like my eyes are crossing and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't handle this. And so Tiffany's like, the, you know, the glass is in the middle and there's a rail. Tiffany's been over just like looking at, looking at the stuff under. I can't do that. I can't, I can't process that. And so I'm looking out and up because I know if I look at the waves and look at the direction of the boat, then it's good. The only thing steady in my, at this point in my life is, is, is the sky, right? That's the only thing that's not moving in the boat. And so... Uh, I just, I, I, you know, I was really, really struggling and I started getting, you know, I was trying to just maintain the dignity that I had left in my digestive tract, if you know what I mean. I just, they were like, if you throw up, just throw up over the edge. And I'm like, I'm not throwing up in front of everybody. Okay. I just can't do it. And so, but I didn't want to ruin it for Tiff. I know she liked it. And so she continued, I didn't say anything, but she could look, she looked at me and she could tell something wasn't right. You know, she couldn't, I, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't hang and so we're floating and we're rocking and then I just look up and I'm looking out and I try to like in situations like that I try to make the best of it I try not to wish the time away you know when you're in those kind of situations you tend to wish the time away I was trying not to do that and so what I was thinking about what came to my mind was Jesus sleeping on the boat right he was sleeping in the boat he's in the bottom of the boat everybody else is freaking out and I'm sure the the waves the weather was a lot worse than what we were experiencing in Jamaica but I remember thinking to myself, like, Jesus got up and he told them to be still. And they were still. We can't do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. God is the only one who has power to do that. Since Jesus was 100% man and 100% God at the same time, he had the power to do that. He has that power that dominates the functions of Nature, And what the really cool thing is, though we don't have the power to control nature, that same power that tells the waves to stop is the same power that restores that brokenness that you can't fix on your own. It's the same power. Now, he's not going to give you the power to stop the waves. He's not going to give you the power to manipulate situations the way you see fit. What he's going to do is he's going to slowly give you ounces of uh, ounces of uh, little ounces and doses of uh, of his power that's going to lead you that direction where you're supposed to go. And uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But here's the third one. God's power delivers his people from the hands of the wicked. Look at verses 13 and 14 down in your Bibles. You come out to save your people, to save your anointed. You crush the leader of your house with the uh, of the wicked. You strip him from foot to neck. You pierce his head with his own spears. His warriors storm out to scatter us, gloating as if ready to secretly devour the weak. What I believe that God's word is trying to tell us is that God's power is your best defense to condescension, to unfaithfulness, to hate, to resentment, to greed, to jealousy, to retaliation, whatever it is. His power is the only appropriate way to handle being attacked. And here's where you want to be. You want to reach a point in your life 
where you can handle those situations where people are attacking you, where you can handle those situations, you can look them dead in the eye and know 100% that God is handling that situation for you. Even though behind those nasty little scrawny eyes that probably have warts on them because they're so doggone mean to you, uh, they don't, God is taking care of it for you. He's taking care of it for you. One thing that I've always said, and it's never popular from a pulpit, but I'll just say it anyway. Uh, and Barry's probably getting nervous, but that's okay. Listen, I don't, I, don't, I don't really get into politics. I really don't get into politics. I never really have. And one of the reasons why is because people, you know, of course, I have a vested interest. I pay taxes. I do whatever, right? But one thing that don't really get, one thing that I, that I rest assured with every single election that comes through and every single bill that's passed or everything that's passed or not passed, one thing that, I, that, I, that I'm at peace with is that if God, if, if God gives somebody the power to be in a certain position or he gives them a certain authority to be in that position, if they mess it up that goes against his will, his way, his rules, his authority, his, his, authority, his ethics, if, they, if it goes against anything that the Lord has ordained to be true and, and, and absolute and, and, and good and holy, if they do anything that, that, that crosses that, he will take care of them. It's not our job to take care of them. It's not our job to do that. When you respond with the confidence that God will handle the issue for you, your response to the garbage presented to you will be pair in comparison knowing that your Heavenly Father is going to work things out for you. Here's one issue that I have and that I'm sure you have. The timetable in which this happens. Is anyone with me on that? Well, that moron put this into law. He should be removed. You're right. But that's God's job, not your job. You have to hand, we have to put justice into God. You have no idea what that person did to me. And based on this and this and this and this and this, this happened to me because of their disobedience, because of their greed, because of their neglect, whatever it is. That's not your job. That's not your justice. God's. Number four, God's power is greater than any earthly resource or possession. Look at verse 17 and 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. If you're anything like me, sometimes, sometimes you put too much trust into your stuff and resources. It's an American thing, right? We're consumers. That's the way it is. But notice what the scripture says. There's five different things where your resources are getting slim. And no one, likes your re no one likes the resources getting slim. When you pull up to a gas pump and you see a little trash bag over the gas pump and you know you have a quarter of a tank and you don't have a lot of time, you kind of panic a little bit, right? It makes you want to go home, get a few five-gallon gas, gas cans, and then go pay 20 cents more a gallon across the street 
to the Chevron or whatever that has gas, but it's higher. But by gosh, you're going to have gas. You're going to have the resource. You're going to make sure that you have what you need and what you need for your family. Is that not right? Hello? Is that not right? Yeah? And so what we read here in chapter 17 and 18, we're reading like 17 especially, is nothing but problems. And there's five problems. The fig tree is not producing fruit. The olive crop is failing. Fields won't produce food. The flocks have disappeared from where you left them. And there's no herds in the stalls. And let me tell you, back then in this context, in this culture, here, this is everything to them. The fig tree is producing fruit. That's it's not producing fruit. That's nutrients. The olive crop, right? You have the, you have the presses. You get the olive oil out of it. You can use olive for, olives for tons of different things. The fields don't produce food. That's a problem. No one likes hangry people, right? The flocks have disappeared from where you left them. They're not in the fence anymore. And there's no herds in the stalls. Interpret those things today. The figs. The economy is not functioning properly. No one's selling or trading. Everything is at a standstill. That's the exact opposite of what's going on right now, right? People are too, people are buying things like crazy and so interest rates are high, right? But eventually, as the interest rates continue to stay high, people will hopefully slow down a little bit, right? I hope so. Are you going to slow down? Y'all look at me like I'm stupid. Am I stupid? Like, am I speaking to... Somebody else here? Okay, all right. You have the olive tree. The oil refineries are bottlenecking to the point that dump trucks are starting to use small yard trailers and golf carts to transport. That's a problem, right? The olive oil. The fields. I feel like in today's terms, if the fields aren't producing food, our Wi-Fi's down. <laughs> right? The internet, is not, the internet is not good. The internet is not working. If the internet, listen, let me tell you something. And Lynn and Barry know this to be true because their phone blows up every time it happens. And then James Blackwood's phone blows up when it happens, okay? When the internet goes down at the school during the week, oh man, it's on. Barry, it's on. Lynn, it's on. James, where's James? It's on, isn't it, James? Yeah, James is like, I'm not even here. It happens. The flocks, the chickens have left the coop. If there's no chickens in the flock, that means no more Chick-fil-A, guys. Those mornings of buying a box of 10, 10 minis just to kind of feed a little bit of everybody in the car, it's gone. It's no more, no more. Herds, the herds are not in the stalls. There are no more steaks available at Texas Roadhouse. No more. Steaks are gone. Stakes are gone. Would that hurt anybody's feelings? A few? All three of you. That's great. Thanks for being honest, James. O'Keefe, here. I can always count on you. So here's the problem. What, what he does is he highlights five, five earthly resources that everyone needs at this current moment. Yeah, we don't need Texas Roadhouse. Yeah, we don't need Chick-fil-A. But Lord knows we need oil, oil refineries, and we need the economy to work, and we need certain things. All of the most, to me... To them, the most significant resources that they need to live, to, to just live, are being compromised. It doesn't produce a bud. There's no fruit. It failed. There's no food. The flocks disappeared. There's no herds in the stalls. These are problems. He says, yet 
I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. How many of you have ever said that at a gas pump when you see the little trash bag on the pump? Yet I will celebrate in the Lord because there's no gas at this stupid pump. And I will rejoice in the God of my salvation because I know I'm saved, but I need freaking gas for my car. God's power will never run out. It will never expire. It will will never need updating. His power is greater than any earthly resource or possession. Number five, God's power gives you the energy to move forward and upward. Look at verse 19 down in your Bibles. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer. It enables me to walk on mountain heights. What I see here, real church, is the energy to move forward and the energy to move upward. We see it with the deer. Make my feet though like those of a deer. Deer move forward very quickly. How many of you have ever hit a deer with a car? Yeah. I mean, you think they're just stupid. Like, come on, guys. Come on. You know I'm coming, and I even slowed down for you. I went from 75 to 25, right? And you're, you, you know, and you still can't get out of the way. They can't quite figure out where to go. But deer exert a crazy amount of energy moving forward. They run really, really fast, especially, in the, especially if they know something's chasing them or they get spooked or whatever. Like, it is, it's an incredible amount of energy that exerts them forward. And so what, what, what we're seeing here in verse 19 is it says, The Lord my God, the Lord my Lord is my strength. His power, his power is my strength. And he makes my feet like those of a deer. In other words, he gives me energy to lunge forward. There are days in my life, and I know there are in your life, where you're like, Lord, I, I just can't seem to qu- get some traction on the day. I can't, I can't, I just can't seem to make it work. There have been days where I wake up early in the morning, and I know that I have to get up early in the morning because there's something that I have to do. And, uh, and I know that all throughout the day, all throughout the day, I'm going to be busy, I'm going to, get, I'm going to be tired, there may be small amounts of time to actually get food to put back in my body. I know that when I get home late at night, the kids are already going to be asleep or whatever, everything's already going to be quiet and down, and it's going to be a 14, 15 hour day before you know it, and you're exhausted. Lorinda, do you have any of those sometimes at the hospital? A few. Lorinda works 12 hour shifts at Fayette Hospital. Those nurses with those 12 hour shifts, that's no joke guys, that's no joke. But there are days, you know, I'm the type of person that when I get up in the morning, if I don't immediately start moving, if I go get up and then go sit down, two things happen. One, my back hurts from where I had back surgery a few years ago. And then two, I start getting sleepy again and I want to go back to sleep. But if I get up and I stay moving, 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 moving for the first two or three hours, I'm good for the rest of the day. But in that two or three hour period, if I'm still and I'm warm and I'm comfortable, then I get sleepy again. Y'all are looking at me again like, that doesn't happen to me, it happens to only you. You. That's how, that's how I feel. And so sometimes what I'll have to do is, especially on landscape days, when I have to go across town to Conyers or whatever to take care of, a, take care of an account, 
I'll have to hit, I'll have to hit like a five-hour energy, right? I don't like to do that. I'll have to buy one of the, if I get to the point where I can't keep my eyes open driving, I'll, I'll drink one of those. If I can maintain my cool and stay awake, then I don't have to do that. Uh, only use it as needed. I know it's bad for you, and I know when I'm 50, I'm not going to be able to use those, okay? Uh, but I'm going to use them while I'm 34. There are days when I need energy to keep moving forward. And I know that energy is not going to come from food because Lord knows I've had enough. It's not going to come from a five-hour energy. It's not going to come from coffee. It's not going to come from work. It's not going to come from anything besides depending on God's power to make it happen. And there are days, in fact, all days, that I have to depend on that. And a lot of times when I'm so busy, I forget that I even need God's power. You ever been there before? You forget that you even need God's power to get you through the day. But not only does he ask, make, he make, or does he say he makes my feet like a deer moving forward, but he also says he enables me to walk on, a, on mountain heights, which means upward. That means that God's power, when he gives it to us, when you ask him for it, when he gives it to you, you're going forward and up. You're going forward and up. It's an upward trajectory, all right? When you have stops, when you have retirement, you want your retirement to be forward. Actually, it's going forward no matter what because time is passing by every waking second that you're, that you're breathing on planet Earth. But you want it to go up. You don't want it to go down, right? You don't want that. You don't want that to happen. The Lord is my strength. He gives me feet like those of a deer going forward and he enables me to walk on mountain heights. In closing, Marshall Seagull, he says this. He said, if you want to experience the power of God at work in you and watch the power of God move through you and witness the power of God rescuing dead and dying people because of you, boldly tell the world that Jesus is your Savior, Lord, and greatest treasure. Bear the name of Christ in what you do and what you say. There is, nothing the Holy Spirit, there is nothing the Holy Spirit is happier to do through you than to make much of Jesus. Let's pray together, okay? Father, your power is not our power. Your timetable is not our timetable. Lord, every day we get caught up in the tendency to make check off all of our boxes for the day. We get caught up in other things. And Lord, sometimes we simply just forget to ask you for your power. Last week, we learned and we saw from Pastor Barry that the growth comes in the flats and the valleys. It doesn't come on the mountaintops. It's the daily surrender. It's the day by day. It's doing excellence in the ordinary every day that gets us to where we're supposed to be. And Lord, there are times when our bodies are tired, our minds are tired, or perhaps fed up with what's going on around us. And we sit there and we just trying to ponder, we just ponder and try to figure out how to fix it. Lord, your word tells us a different story. Your word tells us, ask me for power and I will give it to you. Your word says, you need me. Your word says, 
Ask me. Your word says, depend on me for everything. So we're entering this time of Christmas where we reflect and think about what you did. You came to earth as a child, 100% man, 100% God, died on the cross for our sins, forgave us for everything that we ever have done wrong, everything that we are doing wrong, and everything that we ever will do wrong. And it was all made possible by the power of you. And so today, we're at church. We have our families. We have our lives. We have our jobs. There are certain resources that we need on a daily basis. And Lord, your power is what supplies all of those things and what helps us to navigate it. Help us to depend on you at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.